millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome back. I'm Carl Mack, and this is Combat Chronicles. Didn't really want to talk about all the fracas that happened the other night and all the switch around on UFC because it's already been well documented by the time I've come to record this, but essentially this is a time capsule and maybe one day someone will jump on this episode and have no clue what I'm talking about, so I better give it a bit of a rundown. Um, there was an altercation on, I guess, Thursday uh, between Chimaev, Holland and others, Diaz's team by the sounds of it, and... Come Friday, comes up Shamaya was nowhere near making weight. But this card itself was a weird one. It was a pay-per-view headlined by what was ostensibly a squash match. And given how the Nate Diaz-Tony Ferguson fight ended up looking, uh, would have definitely been a squash match. And depressing to watch. Um, Tony Ferguson was taken on Leech at late notice. Kevin Holland and D-Rod were fighting. And that was also late notice because that was a catch weight. And come Friday... We have uh, Chris Barnett, Miss Weight. We have, as I say, Kamsat Chimaev, Miss Weight, by a massive amount. Dana White famously hates catch weights, and yet we have the. Uh, already had one penciled in catch weight between, as I said, D Rod and uh, Kevin Holland. Um, Hakim uh, Dawudu, Miss, Miss Weight, that ended up being a catch weight fight. We had uh, uh, Jelton Almeida. Taking on some guy from Dana White's Contender Series. That was also at a catch weight at 220. Uh, weird. Um, and then we had uh, the uh, Irene uh, Aldana versus uh, Macy Chesson. More on that later. That was also for a catch weight because uh, Chesson missed weight. So for a guy who hates catch weights, sure allowed a lot of them on this card. Um, a, a card which wasn't already wasn't pay per view worthy. And I guess by virtue of it being so weird, ended up a bit more pay-per-view worthy. Just because it was weird. I, the action did not live up to it. The matchmaking prior didn't live up to it. But it was a kind of freak show element once it went live. We'll get to Chimaev in a bit. Um, a lot to talk about there. I'm actually going to do a bit of a weird one. I'm just going to run through the card really because I thought this, card, this podcast was going to be a lot more... Uh, what's the right word for this? Structured. Uh, the Savannah Marshall, Clarissa Shields women's boxing super fight was supposed to be uh, taking place this past Saturday, the 10th of September. And I was actually really looking forward to that one in a way that I don't usually for uh, women's boxing. Um, and unfortunately, it was cancelled due to the 
I was about to say the untimely demise, but she's fucking 96. Uh, Queen's dead. Uh, coincidentally, one of the Smiths' best albums as well. So, that got cancelled, as so many uh, events did. Uh, unless horse racing or cricket, because they're the posh sports. We allowed them to, cr- to crack on. But um, all the sports that someone like myself might enjoy, the fighting and the kicking of balls around, uh, did not happen. So, yeah, alas, I was going to sort of tack UFC on to the end of this podcast, but now I'll just talk about it for the whole uh, the whole episode. I'm just going to run through the card. Um, and I'm going to do this on a sort of watch now, watch later, completionist only kind of ranking. I.e. watch never, but being polite, you know. You should never say never watch a fight. Um, did not watch the early prelims. I understand that the 40-year-old 1-0 former boxer got battered by Norma Dumont. Who, coincidentally, is now my most popular tweet. I uh, put up a clip of um, Laura Sanko saying that Norma Dumont's got a dump truck and it's now got more likes than I have followers. So take that as you will. First fight, Chris Barnett. He missed weight uh, against Jake Collier. Um, I, I feel sorry for Chris Barnett. He's had a really awful year of it. That's a fact. So not going to rag on him for losing for, for being overweight, but... The fact of the matter is, both of these guys, I'm not expecting Collier to get back down to middleweight. I'm not expecting them to be body beautiful. I'm really not. Um, that, that would be ridiculous. They're big, stocky dudes, chonky boys, and that's absolutely fine. Um, but they should not be weighing in excess of 260 pounds. This is not fat shaming. These guys are out of shape. And it's a shame because they have... Athletic traits that most big guys don't have. Um, a complete mess of a fight. Um, Barnett wins by uh, Tico in the second round after Mountain Collier. He was um, he had his back taken in the first round, was taking a beating. Both guys just unable to really move or scramble. Uh, Collier did at times, but once one of these big lumps get on you, you just you get drowned and. Yeah, not not a great fight by any means. Watch it later, I would say, because of heavyweights. They were swanging and banging. Um, obviously, means nothing in the grand scheme of things in terms of rankings or whatnot. So, it was fun. Both rounds were violent. Um, yeah, but as I say, without being harsh, I enjoyed the fight, but it doesn't really mean much. Uh, Dennis Tillerlewin, I don't know if I said that right, uh, versus Jamie Pickett. That I liked. Um quite a violent fight for all the time Pickett's actually been in the UFC never really bothered much with him um, this uh, Tillian Tillian they said it on the broadcast I can't remember really liked the pressure I really liked the mix up of strikes but what I really liked was the single collar tie to set up the elbows really nice work um, broke him down stopped him in the second round uh, watch it later I suppose why not um, Jelton Almeida versus this Anton Turkelidge or whatever his name was apparently from Dana White's Contender Series and I imagine given Swedish flag uh, just on because he's a teammate of Chimaev's that's a guess I don't know if that's the case um, Almeida's way beyond this it's one of the best fighters between 205 and heavyweight and when I say between I mean he'll fight anywhere um yeah, way too good for this. Um, watch it later, I guess. 
Um, only because Almeida is an uh, exciting fighter and, and clearly got a lot going for him. So, yeah, watch it later. Um, you don't need to because you can watch other Almeida performances, but watch it later just because he's interested and why not watch an interesting fighter? There are not many of them around these weights. Um, watch now is uh, Julian Arosa versus um, Hakim Dawodu. I actually told Miguel, listener of this podcast, and recently uh, on the staff at Fight Side, that because he wrote about Hakim, he, he was going to lose, essentially. Or rather, you know, he missed weight. and said, this is your fault. And then, it, this is a fun fight. But Arosa is just on fire at the moment. Really putting it all together. Striking was on point. We all know about his grappling, obviously. Um, just some really solid exchanges in this fight. I think in the first round, I had that at 10-8. He had a flash knockdown, and he hurt Hakim late on in, in the first round. Dominated the third round as well with the body triangle. It's not like Duodo didn't have good moments, just quality fighter, but Arosa for me, it's been fun for a while, but he's starting to put it together now. And uh, Is he still with Nick Sig? And those guys, um, yeah. Anyway. Quality performance. Um, watch now because Eros is so much fun, and it is it is a fun fight. Even though I thought it was relatively one sided in terms of the uh, overall sort of ebb and flow of the fight, the uh, one who has his moment, so it's well worth watching. Get to the main card. It's like just running through this. There's nothing, nothing really much to talk about, is there? Johnny Walker versus Kurlaba. Yeah, whatever. Complete completionists only. Uh, two middling light heavyweights. Happy for Johnny Walker, obviously. Because I like the guy. As weird as his sort of uh, apparently THC and uh, CDB breakdown was this week. Um, you know, sound guy Johnny Walker. I liked it when he was more fun. Um, and even getting the first round finishing this, he's not as fun. Don't get me wrong. Voters can do whatever they can and whatever they want to prolong their careers and whatever they think will make them better. But Johnny Walker just isn't that interesting. So, yeah, completionists only. Arena Aldana versus Macy Chazon. Um, Aldana's one of the few women that really can bang. Um, she really does fight like a Mexican pressure fighter. If this first round was a 10-8, the second round was not. Because Chazon, let's talk about the fight. This is actually one that's really worth watching. I'm going to say watch now. Um, for me, one of the best fights on the card. £140 women, eh? Um... In the first round, uh, Aldana got a couple of really nasty, deep arm bars. Definitely tweaked, at least. Um, but might have even been worse. Um, and in the second round, Chason got her down, dominated her, dropped a lot of elbows on her. A lot of them were hitting gloves, but don't get me wrong, it was a, it was a dominant round. So, you know, we had a 2 10 8 rounds going into the third round. For me, I still think Irina's first round was a lot more violent, a lot closer to a finish. So if that second round's a 10-8, then the first one's a 10-7. But whatever. Um, fun fight. And uh, I don't really rate Chase on. I really don't. And in that third round, um, Aldana hits her with an, with an up kick to the liver. Now, I bet it really fucking hurt. But sad about Chase on. I just don't like her. I mean, for me, this is, again... Not fat shaming, but just, you know, she's trying to make 135. She got thunder fires, and when she's getting it, her belly's jiggling around. She couldn't make 135. 
I'm sure she could have done. She didn't try. So, forgive me for having not that much sympathy for her. But, weird finish. Hey, I bet it really fucking hurt. Don't get me wrong. But, weird finish. And, I don't know. She just, she just collapsed immediately. I thought maybe the arm was still um, bothersome. And when she came out of the uh, exchange on the ground, um, when Aldana was, was, you know, kicking her off, that she might have just hurt the arm further and thought, ah, oh, fuck, I've already I've broke my arm. But no, it was a up liver kick. Watch it now. Um, you know, less than 15 minutes. Um, fun fight and uh, interesting. I ain't wrong. Neither of them were going to be ever any great shakes at, at the weight, I don't think. Um, as I say, I'm out on Macy Chazon. She looked like um, a mixture of uh, She-Hulk and Scandinavian electro-pop princess Robin. Uh, neither of which I'm a fan of. Uh, but I like I like Irene Aldana. She's she's good for one thirty five, I guess. Um, and she can bang, and she's tough as fuck. So, yeah, watch it now. Why not? Uh, D Rod versus uh, the Leech. Uh, Lee Jang Lang versus Daniel Rodriguez. Their full names. I think D Rod's quite generic. I think he's got a really nice jab. Puts it all together well, but never really been sold on him, um, and not really any more so. After this fight, it might seem unfair. Um, if he was like you know twenty eight, I'd say, yeah, fair play. He's obviously you know he's tough as fucking nails. Don't get me wrong, but just not sold on him. Um, this fight was really close though. Um, fair play to both guys for taking it at such late notice. Essentially, Leech is fighting up in weight. Um, again, eight hundred eighty pound catchweight fight with Devon didn't didn't look in great shape. Um, he might well go to one eighty five. Don't really like that for him, but you know the division could always use talent, um, and he's not bad by any means. As I say, he got he got a lovely jab, really lovely jab. It's all about weighing. You know, Leech is getting off less shots, but they're more powerful. Uh, D Rod's getting off, you know, low kicks and 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 the jab, but they're not. It's a nice ramrod jab. It's not like a pitter patter jab. It's a good strong jab. Um, whenever D Rod tried to open up with combos, Leech would crack him with hard counters and then put him back on his heels. Um, that definitely happened in the second round. Um, not a great fight. Watch later because uh, Leech is, is ranked. So it's worth watching in that regard. You know, see a ranked fighter lose or see a ranked fighter fight. That's why it's relevant. So watch it later. Um, not a great fight at its moments. Uh, interested in what other people's opinion is on the decision. Uh, neither of them really lose anything from this fight. If anything, Leech looks Better, you know, it's a close fight that he arguably could have won. Took the fight late notice, fought a guy who cut less weight than him and didn't get blown out or anything. So, whatever, we move on. Um, and I move on to comes at Chimaya versus Kevin Holland. Now, seen a lot of criticism online because Chimaya didn't really control Kevin Holland all that well. He beat him in two minutes. Um, and I don't really think Kevin Holland's all that great. Certainly ain't got any good takedown defence, but he's pretty uh, scrambly and. Uh, you know, active as as a BJJ guy, Chimaev just run through him, and the way when Chimaev gets into this, when he's just sort of uh, rolling and, and and chain chaining his attacks together, he really is terrifying. Um, he is an incredible athlete, and uh, although I can see the criticism, okay, Kevin Holland was able to sort of. Uh, kick him off a couple times and whatnot, and uh, Jemayev looked like he was getting tired. Um, I don't really think it's a massive concern. I know people are going to say, look, you know, 
what's Chimaev going to be like if he has to wrestle for five full rounds? What's anyone like when they got to wrestle for five full rounds? You know, there's, there's people will get tired if they fight at a high pace. Um, he was tired in the Gilbert Burns fight and he managed to come back. He was rocked in that fight and he managed to come back. This is a guy who we know has got a second wind already. So I'm not massively concerned in that regard. What I am massively concerned about is his dedication. Does he want to get back down to 170? Because he's got to get to 170. Not 171, 170 for a title fight. Um, 170 needs him. There's some, I said before, some good contenders coming through. Shavkat Rachmanov and Jack Della Maddalena. Uh, you know, depending on what you think are some other fighters, you might think there's some more. But for me, there's definitely two quality um, well, three, including Chimaev, quality 170 pound contenders that we should be seeing quality fights with for years to come. Even if Chimaev's not too long for 170, I like to think he'd stay around long enough to fight for the title. And if he wins that, Rachmanov versus Chimaev becomes probably the most intriguing fight to be made in all of MMA. Um, so, yeah, I mean, his dedication. Was he injured? Doctor said he couldn't cut weight. He didn't look even, he didn't look drawn at all. Did not look drawn in the slightest. Um, I don't rate Kevin Holland all that well. As I say, he's got wins at 185 and 170. We know he can be uh, controlled by wrestlers. That's absolutely a given. So I'm not massively impressed by Chimaev for, for the win in terms of the scalp. Um, in terms of the performance, he ran straight through him. It's not easy to do that at this sort of level. So I'm not. I think the criticisms are really, really. Um, I think people are really trying to hone in on any reason to criticise this guy because he's so unlikable. Um, also, there's a lot of fighters want to take a pop at him because I think there's still this sort of essence of him being unproven. I think if he was a champion smashing legitimate fighters like this, you'd get less people trying to call him out, um, less people trying to get into altercations with him. His post-fight interview, I could barely understand what he was saying. He was all fired up. It seemed cringy. It seemed forced. Um, yeah. Still completely on the bandwagon as a fighter, but as a fan, he's got to win me over now. He's got to make weight, and you know, I need to see a bit more from him. Uh, but in terms of the performance, I can't really fault that. How could you? Um, Kevin Holland, fair play to him. He, he won me over with the interview on Friday when he said, Is this, is this a better fight for you? and he said, Fuck no, but I'll have it anyway. And it's like, Yeah, I love that. Um, never liked Kevin Holland, um, but got respect him for taking that fight late notice, and yeah. Watch it now, because it's over in 2 minutes and 13 seconds, apparently. And Chimaev's probably still one of the best prospects and, and one of the highest-ranked contenders at 170, so well worth watching. Um, Nate Diaz versus Tony Ferguson, main event. Should have been fun, shouldn't it? You know, oh, well, at least we get a fun one. Fight that's long overdue. I'm honestly going to say, for completionists only, I don't think we want to remember either guy. Like this, I'm trying to fight off a burp. Sound like I was uh, ready to tear up then, uh, but no, just fighting off a burp. No one wants to burp down the mic on a podcast. End up losing listeners. Um, this was sloppy. This was awful. This was okay. Completionist only in the sense of you know, if you are a Nate Diaz fan or a Tony Ferguson fan, you want to watch this because you know they are mainstays of the UFCs. Well, mainly lightweight division, but certainly Nate's fought both, and now Tony's gone at the 170, but ostensibly it's just two lightweights not cutting weight. Um, yeah, so, you know, you want to see Nate Diaz's last fight in the UFC? Of course you will. I hope this is Tony Ferguson's last fight in the UFC also. Interesting note, Diaz brothers always pulled up for not checking kicks, 
Nate does it in this fight and completely splits Tony Ferguson's shin. It's a bloodbath. There's some sort of fun elements to it where Nate appears to be opting out of the fight. I said sort of during the week after he fights Chumayev, don't be surprised he does something weird. We did something weird in this, but it's all sort of like goading um, Ferguson on. Mark Goddard's smart enough to see look, Nate isn't actually opting out of the fight. He's just taking time, just having a walk about because he, cause he can. Um, Ferguson did his usual janky stuff, but he is a shot fire. I think there's been a kind of thing online that I've seen this morning was saying, Everyone overrated him because he had one good round against Chandler. I think he did generally have a good round against Chandler, and then he got his fucking head taken off, and he, he was already pretty much shot, and now he was truly will never be the same. It's the kind of fight that can take someone's prime away from let alone you do that to someone who's already shot. Um, and Ferguson looks awful, um, even though he won a round, uh, because Nate was just pissing about, and Tony was sort of putting kicks together and sort of doing his usual janky shit. Um, a truly... Awful fight. Um, and uh, Ferguson, who was known for ages to be somewhat of an iron man, he'd get in bad uh, positions and keep fighting out of them and and whatnot. So comes to a, a guillotine uh, late in the fight in the uh, fourth round. And I think that's the first time he's been submitted since really early on in his career. Yeah. Just looking, he hasn't been sub since 2009, so, you know, 13 years, way before UFC. Nate goes out on a patented submission win against a fighter who, you know, is well known as, you know, is seen as one of his most, uh, sort of a contemporary of him in, in the sense of not just, they fought at the same time, but two of the best lightweights to... Uh, never win a world title. We know got Tony Ferguson got the interim title. I don't count that. Um, Ferguson in his prime was probably better, but I do wonder if Nate would have always been uh, a, a bad matchup for him. I'm not. I'm not 100 sure on that. But the fight itself, as I say, completionist only. Awful, awful uh, mess of a fight. Somewhat violent. Somewhat bloody. Got to finish. Uh, but you know, I won't recommend watching it. You, you, you could instead of watching this. You could read the result and then go and watch other fights that were great of these two and their primes. Um, you could do that instead. Um, but what, what's important to me is not the fight itself, but what it signifies, which is real end of an era kind of stuff. And uh, I think it's it's kind of sad, kind of bittersweet. Um, and... I just want to touch on... Ferguson never meant that much to me, uh, to be honest with you. Never was a big fan of Ferguson. I know people are going to think that's weird. How can you not be a fan of T-Ferg? just thought he's a bit of a prick, to be honest with you. And, yeah, just his fans annoyed me to the regard of, oh, he's the uncrowned champ, blah, blah, blah. He had some really fun fights. Um, he had closer fights with people that he shouldn't have had closer fights with, in my opinion. But, yeah, it was all, usually always in fun fights and a really awkward and unique stylist. So... Respect to Tony Ferguson. I uh, can't help but respect the guy, even though I was never a big fan. But I was a massive fan of the Diaz brothers. And you see now, even now, the reverence Nate has for his older brother, Nick. And um, just seeing him, he's now going to leave the UFC, probably going to angle for a fight with Jake Paul. Whether Jake Paul gets through Anderson Silva or not, I'm sure he'll fight again. And I'm sure Nate Diaz will be the opponent. Nate's going to try and get that sort of money. Um... I actually joke. Don't be surprised to see Nate Diaz fighting Floyd Mayweather and rising after Floyd uh, batters Mikuru Asakura. I mean, I'd fucking watch it. Um, 
but I'm scum. Uh, yeah, no idea. So what I thought was really interesting was um, I was reading old loads of dozens of old issues of Full Contact Fight yesterday in preparation for the Miguel Torres, which was going to be a Miguel Torres sort of chat and then a right or robbery. It's not now. The reason that that the podcast, if you're a patron, the reason you haven't heard that podcast yet, I'm actually going to do a little mini uh, audio documentary for the Miguel Torres retrospective. Uh, which is called Miguel Angel Torres, the first great bantamweight. And that should be out later this week. Um, it's good preparation for the uh, first guide to pride as well. Gives me a bit more chance to get uh, in touch with the audio uh, editing, which is, as I said before, not something I'm particularly great at. So give me a bit more practice. Um, the reason I'm reading those full con- contact fighters is to prove that Miguel Angel Torres really did come out of nowhere because... His early bouts are not really covered in any of the publications and you can't find any newspaper clippings or anything really prior to WEC. So I thought that was quite interesting. But you get you start reading these and you go, oh, you know what, let's read about this fight and let's read about that fight. And I saw one about Nick Diaz versus Caro Parisian really took me back and just takes you back to those moments. And then I end up reading about Nick and Nate all day, essentially. Not so much Nate, but Nick. And then I see this bit, and if you didn't follow me on Twitter, you, you wouldn't have seen, but I'm just going to read it. It's, um, in the, so, post-Robbie Lawler, uh, Nick Diaz won. And then, you know, prior to Nick Diaz and Cairo Parisian, which is one of the sort of most lauded UFC bouts of the sort of mid-2000s, and rightly so. Immense fun. Um, but Nick, like, is lamenting the fact that his family, like, leave out clippings and photos of him and want to talk to him about his fight and he just wants to be left alone he doesn't give a fuck about what anyone thinks and it says the one exclusion to Diaz's philosophy is his 18 year old brother Nathan who began training alongside his older sibling as his career began to take off Diaz said Nathan will make his MMA debut sometime this year he might as well be fighting every day says Diaz he trains with us he goes hard how hard the question is posed to Nick six days a week by my money, I, you know, I kind of assume that's the first time Nate was ever mentioned in print. Um, and true to his word, later on that year, uh, at WEC 12, wow, WEC 12, October 21st, 2004, Nate Diaz made his debut. Uh, then fought Pancrase, he's one on one. Then fought Strike Force, uh, which was the uh, Frank Shamrock versus uh, Caesar Gracie card. Um, so yeah, makes sense. Um, and then fought in WC a couple more times, and then of course went on after the loss to uh, Hermes Franca in, in WEC 2006. Went on to the Ultimate Fire, where he made his name, and he's been in the UFC ever since. So he has been in the UFC for what fifteen years. Um. And in that time, if you look at Nate, he's one of the most popular fighters in UFC history. And he has uh, eight more wins than he has losses. So, you know, in uh, in 34 fights, 21 wins, 13 losses, he is immensely popular. Even though he's had some stinkers in terms of how badly he's performed in them or how widely he's been outclassed. Somehow, looked better in the fifth round against Leon Edwards than the reigning... Uh, supposed all-time great Kamara Usman looked, um, despite looking awful for the rest of that fight. He has these kind of moral victories um, throughout his career. He now has two wins over um, 
legitimate contemporaries of his in Tony Ferguson and Anthony Pettis that he fought too late, essentially. Um, and as one of the most incredible wins in UFC history against Conor McGregor. Um, and a couple of really handful, handful of really impressive performances. Michael Johnson, Cowboy Cerrone, uh, Smash Grey Maynard, he was already past his best. Um, Jim Miller. Um, you know, there's a couple there that are really, really impressive. I remember the Malvin Gillard fight, fucking hell, that was years ago as well. That was impressive at the time. So, yeah, for every time Nate's had a bad one, he's had a good one too. And should go down as one of the best action fighters in the history of the UFC, in my opinion. Nick's the same. Um, I think people now just sort of denigrate Nick and go, yeah, he was never really all that great. But, again, incredible action fighter. Held his own against uh, some serious, serious competition. Um, another guy who's got one of the most incredible wins of all time. So if you want to spend the rest of the day not being depressed by MMA, do a little back-to-back. Watch Nick Diaz versus Gomi. Yeah, Nick Diaz versus Takanori Gomi from Pride 33. One of the yeah, all-time great fights. Or watch Nick Diaz versus Paul Daly. It's completely up to you. Then watch Nate Diaz in the first fight with Conor McGregor. Remember these guys at better times. So I don't remember Nick from his rematch with Robbie Lawler. And certainly don't remember Nate Diaz from this. Admittedly, uh, you know, gets going on a, on, a, on a great note on a win against a really popular and, and, and infamous fighter in uh, Tony Ferguson. But when I say for completionists only, if you really want to be a completionist, go back, watch these guys when they're at their best. Remember them as incredible servants to MMA and great characters, dangerous men who uh, put their chins on the line. And really did give us some quality, quality nights. Memorable, memorable moments. Um, Goes to Tony Ferguson as well. Plenty of highlights from him you could watch. But for now, going out on a win. And most probably never coming back to the UFC. Nate Diaz. It goes to say say really that we're never going to see the Diaz brothers in the UFC again. And probably not at a major MMA event. Although there's a chance that Nate could get picked up by Bellator or something like that. Um, I'm not really too fussed and see him going forward if that's the kind of performance he's going to put forth so yeah it really does feel like end of an era stuff uh, and it's just time to reflect on what great time that was for MMA um, you know once you watch those fights go and watch fights of their opponents and their opponents and their opponents because you know for the Diaz brothers there is you know sort of Kevin Bacon-esque uh, connection to so many great fighters and so many great promotions and so many great moments and the sadness that this Nate Diaz Tony Ferguson match uh, brings me is, in a way, is when you ever see any veteran fighters that are past their best, you it just takes you back to your past and you sort of you drown in nostalgia and I'm I'm kind of across yeah you know, this this podcast now sounds immensely depressing not meant to be um, even as I do approach my midlife crisis um, we should use it to say you know what. This is how bad MMA can be, really. But let it remind us of how great it can be. And certainly, the Diaz brothers, they've made MMA absolutely incredible. Whatever you think of them, I know they've got their detractors out there. And they've got the haters out there. I know some people don't like the shtick at all. They think they're fucking annoying. Um, you know, they, they, they still, they're never going to forget the um, the Nashville brawl. And they just think that these guys are punks, essentially, and... and uh, or even that they put it all on and that you know they try and act more street than they really are. But the fact of the matter is, 
the Diaz brothers are fucking as real as it comes. Whether you like it or not, whether they're your kind of real or not, they are fucking real. And Nate Diaz tonight, I didn't want to see it. Um, certainly glad he didn't fight Jemaya, but he goes out on a win. But for all you Tony Ferguson fans out there as well, I'm hoping you're not hurting too much. I hope this podcast wasn't too depressing. Um, and I think it's kind of interesting because I can now tie it into, again, this uh, Miguel Torres podcast, which is coming next week for the patrons. Because if you do like the Diaz brothers and if you do like Tony Ferguson, I think Miguel Torres, if you're not uh, initiated with him, uh, I think you're going to like him. I think he's your I think he's your kind of guy. I really do. Um it really does tie in well. He's got that really has not only the WEC connection with with Diaz, but he really has got this kind of fuck you attitude. Loves hunting subs, janky on the feet, incredible chin in his prime. I think you know if you're if you're on the fence about signing up for the patron, or, or if you're on the fence for listening, if you're already a patron, if you think oh, do you know what, I like the bonus content, but I'm probably not going to check that one out. If you like the Diaz brothers or, or Tony Ferguson, check that one out. It's coming soon. It's coming next week. Uh, and after that, it's going to be not much content at all. Um, be the normal podcast here and there. Uh, but the big patron one next month, the Guide to Pride. We're working our way to it. And uh, yeah, so see you over on the patron. And see you for next week's free episode on, on this feed. Uh, be Canelo Golovkin free, which I'm not really looking forward to. Certainly not going to do a preview for it. Uh, we'll see how it goes. We'll play that one by ear. I'm not really sure that that's going to be any less depressing than Nate Diaz versus Tony Ferguson. But hey, as much as the uh, build-up to UFC 279 was a complete mess, I guess it kept us guessing all the way to the very end. And this is the very end of this podcast, so hit me up on Twitter, at CombatCR, or check out the Patreon, www.patreon.com slash combatchronicles, and you'll be hearing from me soon. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. 
That's stamps.com code program.